What do you reckon to Sunday Seconds <laughs> with me, Sam? Oh, and me, Emma, wifey. It's Proverbs chapter four. This episode, trying to cover like two sermons. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Do you know what's ironic with Sunday Seconds is those was seconds last night that you brought home and you forgot and it splattered all over the cool bag. Yeah. Well, I had to bring back the cool bag, the picnic blanket, my coat, my hoodie, my bag. Walk them home from church. Mm. So I thought I'd put the leftover food in the cool bag. It made sense. Mm. It does make sense up until then that I, point. I got home and, yeah, you know, kicked back, <laughs> relaxed, totally forgot. Uh, Sunday seconds all over the cool bag. Yeah. Unusable. Yeah. Uneatable. Inedible. Chicken overnight, not in the fridge. I mean, it, it, would, it wouldn't put me off. <laughs> but... <laughs> well, it's already in the food bin, so... Yeah. Anyway, we've got a lot to get through this week. Yeah. So let's crack on. We're going to go through last week's sermon and this week's sermon. Yes. And we've got questions. So, yeah, loads. Yeah. So we'll try and keep it trim. <laughs> Not my strong suit. Mm. But uh, yeah, lots to get through. And hopefully we'll just try and sweep up the rest of chapter four in this. Where do you want to begin, Em? Well, let's begin at the furthest away. Last week's sermon is super fresh in my mind, but just for everyone else, remind us what was You're joking. It, it, last week's sermon is super fresh in your mind. Is it? No, oh. that was a joke. Oh, right. <clears throat> I said, but just remind for everybody else. Oh, cool. I'm trying to make myself look good, but that's Yeah, I thought, I thought, oh, is it fresh in your mind? Nah. Okay. No, it feels like a long time ago, but... Uh, I did bring it, bring it up at prayer meeting, and I I also started off uh, Sunday morning just gone sermon with a little reminder. But the the first bit of chapter four certainly is, and maybe the whole of chapter four really is about how to avoid a mid Christian life crisis. Because the great news is, if you're a Christian, you're on the path of the righteous. Mm. If you're a son of God, son of the Father. You're on the path of the righteous, and that path just gets brighter and brighter. Tomorrow is brighter than today. You know, there is always hope on this path, and our destiny is the full light of day. But the nightmare situation would be that you pack that in to get on the way of the wicked, which begins in darkness, ends in darkness, um, and they're stumbling around, not knowing what's going on. That would be awful. And yet... The stupid thing with us sheep is we are prone to wander and we go astray and we think that path looks idyllic and lovely. So uh, the father is pleading with his son, look, don't set foot on that path. Stay on this path. And it is about how to avoid going on that path. And it's an encouragement to stay on the path of the righteous. Mm. I think that's what, yeah, that, that sermon was about. Nice. Go and listen to it again if you want, by the way. It's on Teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you said about the father talking to his son, like, don't go this way. Because you said that's Jesus talking to us. Um, mm. But it's also the father talking to Jesus, yeah. right? So how does that work? Yeah. 
So just to remind everyone, there's a few different <laughs> levels here. And I always wonder, which way should I apply this primarily? You know, there's a sense where in Jesus's days on earth, he reads this and where it is the father speaking to his son saying, my son, listen to me. Just imagine the son of God thinking, that's my father's voice while I'm sort of separated from him here below on earth. Yet he's speaking to me. Um, yeah, so that's quite cool. But then also, and I think this is really where Proverbs 4 lends itself. Jesus, these are these are his Proverbs. He is the son of David, um, the true and better Solomon, you know, the, the man of peace, the prince of peace, who writes these. These are his Proverbs. These are his parables. And when you read chapter 4, there's just some little things that I think are really interesting, like verse 3. Imagine Jesus saying this. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother. And that's true, isn't it, right? So Jesus, firstly, he was the only child. Um, well, you know, Mary had a virgin birth and Jesus, you know, is this only child, certainly like that, that Mary had. But also there's a time where Mary and Joseph lose him in the temple and Jesus says, didn't you know that I was meant to be in my father's house? So when I was a boy in my father's house, Jesus is saying, you know, um, he taught me and said, and I, I don't know, I think maybe this is what the boy Jesus heard from his father in those days at the temple. A little extra, you might think that's a bit of a reach, but Luke chapter two, where that's taken from, if I just turn it up, it's so interesting. It ends with this. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and men. So, you know, this, the book of wisdom, you know, Jesus grows in wisdom. That's how the, the chapter ends. But Jesus is in his father's house. And Here's some things that he heard in his father's house. Uh, verse uh, four, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you'll live. In Luke chapter four, you see Jesus going into the wilderness and he keeps God's commands. That's Jesus's life. Um, it also, verse seven says, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it cost you all you have. Mm. And it did cost Jesus everything, this life on earth. And then it ends with... Wisdom will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. And ultimately, after Jesus was glorified, he was given a crown, mm. you know, from a crown of thorns to a crown of splendor because he listened to his father. So I, I think there's a whole way you can read chapter four where it's like, ah, it's Jesus saying, when I was in my father's house, this is what he said to me. And he wants us to know that. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Let me know what you think about that. What do you think about that, Em? No, I think it makes sense. Because yeah. everything comes from the Father. Jesus just makes it known, right? Yeah. He's the Word of God. Mm. He, yeah. And he's like, this is what he said to me, and I'm telling it to you. That's mm. always what he does. He's imparting wisdom. Yeah. But uh, I just think that's interesting when he says, I was in my father's house as a boy. And it's like, yeah, there was a time where he was a boy in his father's house. Mm. Yeah. So there we go. That, so that was one thing I think is really cool. It, yeah. Any any other questions you might have from this yeah. first bit? 
I sort of, yeah, kept it in my head because you were saying earlier and then you went on to this bit um, about the paths. Yeah. There being two different paths mm-hmm. and we're either on one or the other. Can we swing Yeah, from path to path? Are we always on one? It just doesn't look like we are or what, what's the... Mm, yeah. Yeah, so let me just read the two key verses. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. I think there's a couple of things to say. Because, yeah, (laughs) to us it's like, is it that clear cut? Mm. And I want to say, from God's perspective, the answer is yes. From our perspective down here, it's like no. And... There's maybe an objective sense where uh, the Christian is on the path of the righteous. Mm. The non-Christian is on the way of the wicked. However, the Bible is very clear, and I think a good place is Ephesians chapter 4, like verse 17 and onwards, where the Apostle Paul says to the church at Ephesus, Christians, um, therefore, my brothers, I insist that you no longer live as the Gentiles do. Mm. in the futility of their thinking because christians can live the non-christian life conversely you get non-christians who want to just put on the morals of jesus you Mm. know and try and live the right way so that's where things can be a little difficult for us to perceive you know even when we think about our own lives we're aware but so often i am wicked and i do wicked things and i live Mm. in darkness and i'm stumbling around so Yeah, there's a sense where, yeah, of course, as Christians, we can live like non-Christians. And this is an encouragement to say, stop being wicked. Stop thinking wrong. Start just looking to Jesus. Stop looking to the left and to the right. Look to him. Look to the sun that is rising. Um, But you can take heart if you're a Christian. Look, you are on the path of the righteous. Yeah. So I don't know. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess what you're saying is, looks wise it can seem like you're on t'other path to what you're on but actually it is actually quite clear cut which one you're on yeah from god's perspective a hundred percent he's like he 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 can already do the division job if he wanted to between the sheep and the goats Mm. the righteous and the wicked yeah that's what i'd say i think hey should we play a jingle to wrap up this uh first section sure why not Part two, um, it's our inbox time, the questions that we've had. So we've had mm. two questions this week. Thanks so much for asking your questions, by the way. That, yeah. This is the best bit of, I think, the podcast. Yeah, I think it makes that. it really practical when people ask questions, because it's like, here's how to deal with it in life. And I really appreciate knowing, if you feel like, yeah, I just don't think you've covered that, just let me know. I won't be offended. Well, that's why we just do the podcast, because you don't get to cover everything. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So our first question comes from Abby, um, and it's it's about work and, and grumbling, mm. basically. So I'll read it out. Um, 
She said, so Monday morning comes around and I'm surrounded by colleagues complaining about work and a lot of the time the things they are saying, I think they're true about circumstances. It's really hard that there aren't enough people to run things and it isn't satisfying. Mm. How do I not join in with their complaining and what do I say instead? Just do I try and avoid the worst grumblers? Yeah. Now, we'll obviously talk about yesterday's sermon in a little bit because mm. this is the 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 two questions we got from yesterday's sermon. Yeah. And this is to do with from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks, mm. right? So yeah, grumbling and complaining whilst working for the NHS. <laughs> um you used to work at the NHS. How many years did you work there? And seven. Seven years. Yeah. Don't suppose you ever experienced being understaffed, and overworked, and it being a difficult atmosphere. I think Abby's on her own here. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes, yeah. I think it's, and I actually think it's almost with every company. Everyone I talk to seems yeah. to be understaffed and overworked, and so I do completely sympathise with what Abby's saying. Um, and yeah, I think the important thing to remember is there is a difference between acknowledging and grumbling mm. so it's like it's fine yeah. absolutely fine to acknowledge yeah i'm overworked and we're seriously understaffed mm. and that isn't fair you know when you're asked to cover xyz jobs that one you're not paid for two you don't have time for yeah i totally understand that um and i think people know where the line is don't they between grumbling and yeah. not grumbling yeah um you often know when you've crossed it though don't you like oh yeah I should have said that but yeah and i think it's a great question that she said should i just avoid the worst grumblers and i think to a certain degree yeah oh. if you think you're going to get sucked in mm. more easily to, to to grumble with them but i don't think it's wrong that if you do come across them and they say this isn't fair this isn't fair to be like yeah no it's I understand it's not fair. Yeah. But then I think to continue said conversation might be unhelpful and turn into grumbling. Um, yeah, because I, I remember going through this quite a lot. And what I always just encouraged myself or and other people to do is go to the boss. Yes. Because I think part of what grumbling is, is not really doing anything about it. Yeah. You just like to talk and to sort of stew in it. And it stops there. But it's like, do you know what? If you are feeling these things, is there someone you can talk to? Is there something that can be done? Yeah. 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 So I think, yeah, I think there is a difference between getting caught up in just grumbling and never doing anything about it. And yeah, just being like, yeah, I acknowledge this isn't right. Yeah. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that cr comes to some stuff that I thought too. You've already said some of the stuff I thought. Um, might be helpful to define gossip and um, flattery, right? Mm -hmm. I, this is something I hoped I'd do at some point anyway. Uh, gossip is something you'd say behind someone's back that you'd never say to their face. Mm. That touches on what you said about, no, let's go and talk to the boss or talk to whoever's, you know being grumbled about so you know it's gossiping when it's like yeah these people would never say that to mm. that person's face mm. and you cannot get involved with that we're prohibited from gossiping it's wrong it's bad 
it's breaking one of the ten words, you know, of giving false testimony against your neighbor. Uh, it's slandering someone's name. Yeah, all of that. Flattery is literally the opposite. It's when you say something to someone's face that you'd never say behind their back. Hmm. Uh, and I feel that's, well, Christians, we we can we love a bit of both, I suppose. But um, Anyway, that might be helpful. I was thinking about lament. Lament would be something I thought I should have brought in a bit maybe in the sermon yesterday because, yeah, we're being rattled by all sorts of things and Abby's being rattled at work there. And I'm just saying, look, James says, be thankful for the trial because now you see the sin pouring out of you. You wouldn't have seen otherwise and you can repent of it and he'll help you. But um, there's another thing that you can do that's not just thank you for the trial and that's lament the, mm. the difficulty. Abby, you can lament to God over all these things. Lamenting is T-cat. Turn, complain, ask, trust. Turn to the Lord, you know, complain to him, ask him for help, trust that he's got it. But I was also thinking that applies. We do that because we know he's sent this situation. Mm. Like, why, Lord? But you can do that to your boss. You can turn to her You could, or him. You can even complain. Mm. That's okay. Um, if, if you're going to the source, that's okay. Mm. Complaining behind someone's back about someone that's gossiping. Complaining yeah. to their face, as long as you know it's done in love. Hmm. you can ask them and you can trust them ultimately as well. I was thinking maybe that applies too. I tried to dig out a D.L. Moody quote from when we did the 10 words that stuck with me. Can't find it anywhere. But I'm sure he said something like this. It's a great misfortune that we would prefer to hear evil about someone than to hear good. Mm. Um, and that's just something about us humans we've got to watch out for. There's something awful in us that when we hear someone succeeded in something, we're not thrilled for them. But when we hear someone's failed at something, we're, there's something in us that's like, oh, cool, that's good. That mm. I, You know, I'm better than them. And the final thing is, just remember that God knows the circumstances that you're in, and he is using them right now to mold you and shape you. And that's something the non-Christian has no understanding of. Mm. But God is doing something with, with you, Abby, at work. Those are just some of my thoughts. Yeah, it's cool. Should we do next question? Yes. So uh, this comes from Aaron Williams. Aaron Williams. Yeah. Cool. Um, he said, you mentioned how Proverbs speaks of nagging wives. What does it have to say to husbands about how they speak to their wives? Yes. So also in the sermon yesterday, I was talking, yeah, it's the same point really about how from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I was saying, husbands, how are you talking to your wives with love and tender care? Is it? Or wives, how are you talking to your husbands? And then I was like, actually, in Proverbs, there's quite a lot about how wives talk to their husbands, mm. isn't there? And it does feel a little bit awkward that, yeah. And I suppose it is that thing that it just seems to be in that one direction. Mm. Like, you don't really see Proverbs where it's like, um, oh, living in a house with a uh, lazy husband is like you may as well get on the corner of the roof you know mm. uh yeah um em you pulled up some verses earlier on this i could probably find them again like what what do we mean by nagging should yeah. we define nagging i think it's important because i think there is a huge difference of what the bible means than what we use as nagging yeah so 
nagging in our sense, yeah. I think, is often asking someone to do something over and over again, isn't it? It's like, Sam, can you take the bins out? Sam, don't forget to take the bins out. That came very can quickly, you, can you that take example. The bins out? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about it because one of them's full. Um, and <laughs> yeah. it's like saying that over and over again, but actually that's not what the Bible means, yeah. right? When you started reading out some of the verses before we were recording on this, it is like, maybe I, I used the word nagging. I think there are some translations that say that. But here's just a few verses. You know, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with a hand. Um, but the word quarrelsome it comes up quite a lot. I'm trying to find where the other, I can't remember where the other verses were. Uh, but the word quarrelsome, mm. you know, um, a quarrelsome wife, an ill-tempered was the other one. Mm-mm. So this is like, there is some spite behind it. Uh, that's one thing that I, th- I think is, is, it's not just the asking repetitively, because that can be brought on by the fact that the husband does not listen mm-hmm. and he's lazy. And this is where I uh, sympathize, Emma, with your situation as a wife, because uh, that could be <laughs> where I'm at. Um that I don't listen to or I'm lazy. And so, but you can, with love and patience, continue to ask or, or pull me up on that, you know. But this sort of wife Proverbs talking about is there is a spitefulness behind it. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, I have some, uh, some other thoughts on it is remember the context in Proverbs is a father talking to his son, often about women. Lady Wisdom. It's like, that's who you want in your life. You don't want Ms. Folly or the adulterous woman. Like, stay away from them. And it's a lot of, like, who's the woman you want and who's the woman you don't want. So so that's why we see a lot of verses like that in Proverbs. Mm. Um, also, you've got to remember, Proverbs is the father speaking to his son a lot about his behavior and how he needs to be a wise man. He mm. cannot be a sluggard. <clears throat> he needs to talk well and act well and live well uh, apply that to the calling of marriage husbands <laughs> you know and then there's loads that it says to husbands and how they speak even in proverbs 4 it says you know put perversity away from your mouth you know mm. corrupt keep corrupt talk away from your lips finally uh, remember that all the passages about wives uh, apply even to us men because we are the bride of christ mm. And women, remember that though the whole of Proverbs is a father talking to his son, Galatians 3.26 says we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it all all applies to the whole church anyway. Hopefully, Aaron, that helps with that question. But keep sending your questions in mm-hmm. if you've got any. Yeah. A- any other thoughts on that, Em? No, I think you said it all. Jingle time. <laughs> Part three, the last part, talking about the sermon yesterday. Hopefully fresher in the memory. Much fresher. You talked about the heart. Yes. But summarize it for us. Yes. So if, you know, the first bit of chapter four is avoiding the 
uh, mid-Christian life crisis, these are, at the end, is the safeguarding measures to make sure there's no chance you're going over on that path. You know, because we are, we are prone to wander over there. So it's like, we need to put some things in place. Uh, so these, yeah, are the safeguarding measures for life. So I feel like you said a lot about, you know, stuff that's in our hearts comes out and, yeah, the heart is where everything comes from. But I don't feel like you said a lot about the actual guarding of our hearts, the safeguarding. You're totally right, yeah. I think I thought I was I was going to say more on because the verse is above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Mm. So the command there or the directive there is to guard our hearts. But I just wanted to really labour the implications of for it is the wellspring of life. That's huge. That is you know that means that you know all the issues of life as the King James version says come from out of your heart mm. and so we think all the big issues are out there and i would say no let's stop pointing out there and realize it's in here um it, it's not the circumstances that rattle us it is the stuff that comes out of us when we're rattled like the pool trip analogy with the cup mm. of water water came out because water was inside and the sin that pours out of us, the the ingratitude, the the anger at God, the anger at other people, the lust, whatever it is, you know. So I just think that's that's really that was a big point I wanted to explain about that, and then say, well, how can you, you know, what are the signs that there's something wrong with my heart, or that things are uh, okay in my heart? You know, Jesus is doing stuff. The main sign is, as Jesus says in Luke 6, verse 45, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or, another version, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, it is what you say, your words. And that's why verse 24, put away perversity from your mouth, keep corrupt talk from your lips, comes after verse 23 about the heart. Mm. Yes, but I didn't really talk about guarding the heart, no. So, so is it just a matter of when you shook the cup is it just a matter of putting a lid on the cup yeah or that's good do we actually have to deal with what's in the cup i mean that sounds like a stupid question because if it's sin yeah then that's bad but can we just stop the sin from coming out i love i love that uh add addition to the analogy and that's quite good because literally put a lid on it is something we say isn't it <laughs> like shut your gob um yeah so i think that's that's good because i was talking about how in terms of safeguarding, uh, the doors are, are vulnerable points, right? Things can escape out that should stay in, mm. i.e. the kids in church. Mm. Or also, things can come in, right, that should stay out. And it's a bit like, here, you've got to be like Will Savory when he was a bouncer. Mm. And you've got to have God's word as your sort of list. Mm. And it's like, right, the word defines what I should allow into my heart. And what I must stay out. And the exit point then is the mouth, as we talked about. The overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. But the entrances are your eyes and your ears. Uh, so, yeah, it really is like, be careful. Guard what you look at. Because mm. that's an entrance point for your heart. Guard what you hear. It's not that you just shut our eyes and close our ears. But you need to be looking in the right direction and listening to the right things 
Because you've got eyes up here and eyes down here, right? Yeah, um, Aaron was a bit uh, <laughs> disappointed that I didn't do my uh, eyes on the head and eyes on the heart thing, which, you know, people, uh, I think it freaks some people out that. But I think this just brings up the big question, which we could talk for a long time on, of, well, okay, how do we guard what we hear and what we see? So just to, just to say, and then I'll throw it out to you, Em, what the passage says is, pay attention to my words, verse 20 and 21. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. So listen to the words of the Father. That's the direction there. Um, and then with the eyes, keep, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Mm-hmm. So that's on the path of the righteous. Mm-hmm. Just keep looking ahead because at the end of that path is the Lord Jesus. At the end of that path is it's the narrow path that leads to life. Mm-hmm. It is the destiny of the full light of day. You know, it's not looking to the left and thinking it might change path or the right. Mm. It's not looking back and being nostalgic. It's looking ahead. Um, but in a practical sense, are there things we shouldn't watch? Are there things we shouldn't listen to? Mm. Thoughts? Yeah. There is. It's <laughs> like quite obvious, isn't it? Well, yeah, no, there definitely is things you shouldn't watch. Yeah. There's definitely things like... We should be careful about hearing. Mm. I think there are things we can't avoid sometimes. Mm. Um, That's helpful. Like even going back to Abby's question, it's like, you know, in an overworked, understaffed environment, you're never going to get away from grumbling completely, are you? Yeah. So, yeah, there are some things you might just have to deal with. Yeah. But you need to look at them with the lens of God, right? Yeah. This is where, and this could be the phrase for the whole of Proverbs, this takes wisdom. Mm. It also has a lot to do with your personal weaknesses. Your uh, conscience is a big thing. Mm. Um, So some people might think, look, I cannot play Call of Duty because it just makes me fired up and angry, Mm. right? Other people would be like, that's just a bit of fun, isn't it? You have to be honest and maybe even at, like you need to get some people in on this to help you work that out. Mm. Um, there'd be some films, I'm sure some people in church would be fine with watching or some TV programs and others wouldn't. Mm. And I really like Ingebelva. We're not judgmental of where people draw the lines. And I notice people draw different lines. Mm. And that should be the case. This is a matter of personal conscience and... But also, if you're super liberal, don't underestimate the fact that our heart gets affected by the things we see and the things we hear. Yeah. You know, if I'm just constantly listening to songs about sex from the world's perspective, mm. um, I shouldn't think, oh, that's chill. Like, that's never going to affect my heart. Mm. It's like, well, it really might do, right? So be careful. Mm. Um just adding on to that it's also like who's around you as well because now we've got a child i'm thinking like Mm. even stuff i put on in the daytime even the news or something where something bad could be happening yeah obviously that's news isn't it yeah but i'm like i don't want ezra to be influenced by things i say and do and yeah i want to protect him a little bit and if you're in a shared house or whatever it is just being mindful of other people around you as well yeah, and how it can influence them. I know we're talking about personal stuff here, mm. but 
I think that's also important to note. Yes, yeah. No, it's true. Uh, I think this could only be the beginning of a conversation, and I think we should probably wrap up the the podcast. But uh, Mm. it is just being aware, mostly church family, that the big thing is, above all else, it's about your heart. That is the causal core of your personhood, as Paul Tripp says. Mm. It is, from the overflow of it, is all the issues of life. And you've got to really just be careful like what you look at. So the films you watch, the things you look at on your laptop, you know, that it's, it's all that stuff. And you've really got to be aware of the things you're listening to, you know, the voices that you hold dear. Because mm. it's like, that's the thing in work. It's like, you just can't hold the gossip's voice dear or the slanderer's voice dear. But the voice of Jesus, it's like, we must be like so attentive mm. and, and people in church. Yeah, but uh, yeah, maybe you've got questions on this and we could come back to it because I think this is this will be a big thing in Proverbs. Yeah, but it's about talking to each other as well, isn't it? And if you aren't sure if it's affecting you, then maybe have a chat with someone. Yeah. Great point, yeah. We're all here together to work this out. Yeah, so here we go. I think that's everything. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to Sunday Seconds Podcast. We'll see you very soon. Yeah.